This is the Beers and Fears Podcast. Don't you play movies? Movies don't create cycles. What is going on, Horror Nation? I'm your host, Tucker Miller. I'm Rowdy. And this is the Beers and Fears Podcast. How are you guys doing today? Doing pretty good. We're doing pretty good. Yeah. Aren't we, Rowdy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Had a nice mug. Yeah. Stole it fair and square. Yes, I did. <laughs> so. Looks on uh, moonshine. Or? Yes. The fantastic drink we call. I'm calling. Dr. Moonlight. Yes. What it is, is about a shot and a half of some good old homemade moonshine. I didn't make it. Can't tell you who did, but it's good stuff. Honestly, the best moonshine I've ever had. Best straight moonshine yeah, I've yeah, had. Yeah, this yeah, ain't yeah. flavored or anything. Yeah. So it's pretty it's pretty nice. Yeah, I like it. Um, so let's make sure yep, silent mode on. Oh shit. Yeah, I didn't do that either. Ha <laughs> Um so how was your week? <laughs> Sir. Oh, uh, you know, it was pretty good. I um you know, it was a fucking slow-ass week, my man. I had work, and, like, that's it, dude. I feel you. It was very uneventful, and it was boring. And honestly, I can't remember most of it. Yeah, mine it's wasn't. just monotony. Mine wasn't too crazy. 54 hours but you know yeah i don't i don't i don't fuck around with any of that hey man i rarely even do my 40 hours because i leave work nine minutes early every day that's fair i'm like i just get bored i'm like oh can't get in trouble for clocking out swipe i get bored i'm not trying to save up some money so i can buy jedi fallen order (laughs) well you you know the best way to get a hold of jedi the fallen order right Deal. No, listener support. Oh yeah, you guys no, this exactly. money, Rowdy. Damn, all, already. Rowdy can buy. Already going with the Jedi fucking the shameless order. fucking plug. Yes, uh, there's a link in the description if you guys want to <laughs> fucking help us out. I'm fucking scared of nothing. <laughs> Dude, you want to know what I do not understand right now? Why I'm sweating, but my legs are freezing. Why, yeah. Why yeah. from the waist up I am like sweating and gross yeah but i can't feel my toes because my feet are fucking freezing we both have blankets wrapped around our waist and over our feet yet we're cooking up top and before you say oh just put some socks i have socks on i got sweatpants on too oh i'm a dumbass i'm wearing shorts but i do have socks on i'm freezing i'm also wearing like dry like dry fit socks so they whip away moisture (laughs) so they just fucking keep you cool yeah Oh, that's so much better. Yeah. <clears throat> For those who don't know, Rowdy and I have uh, stretched stretched earlobes, and um, 
our headphones are very uncomfortable if we wear our plugs. Yeah, but my ears start to close up if if I leave them out uh, by the time we're done recording. And, and then he cries like a bitch when he has to put them back in. Yeah, so I just leave them in and then bitch that my neck hurts because, God, I got burps. Your neck and your jaw because it digs yeah, in. Yeah, it digs in, but, you know, whatever. I'll just, Shit, even my silicone ones dig in. Yeah, and I'm wearing acrylic, big, fat, thick acrylic ones, so yeah, they really dig in. My uh, my Dragon Ball ones that my girlfriend bought me as a birthday present, they're not too bad, but they're not hollow. So, so they're heavy? Well, the the you know those two bones that are right under your ears that are like right by your jaw? Your bones and Every, your lymph nodes? Everyone, everyone right now feel them. Those your bones? Your lymph, no- lymph nodes on those bones? Yeah. Well, just those bones specifically. Since these are hollow, they sit around that bone. But my my Dragon Ball plugs, they're they're solids, and so they sit on top of that bone, which creates like these pressure points, and that really hurts. So I just suck it up, and uh, you know, live life like that. But I also have a ball of scar tissue in my earlobe from frostbite. So, yeah, that was a fun time. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, so. Uh, uh, my ears normally hurt all the time, so well, at least one of them. But uh, today we have a really interesting story. Um, uh, yeah, before we get into it, this is definitely not a typical Beers of Fears episode by no means because we are actually dealing with something that actually happened. Yeah, um, so and it's not a horror movie at all. We did watch a movie. Oh my god, the world's fucking longest movie. Um, yes. Yeah, today we decided, since it kind of tied in with Rowdy's real life. Kind of, um, it did. Well, kind yeah, kind of. <laughs> uh, since it kind of tied in with Rowdy's real and life and the anniversary of the event was... Was on Friday. Yes, Friday. Yes, 60 that, years ago. That we would talk about some true horror. True horror, the aftermath... Um, a little bit of things that right and wrong about it. Um, and that movie is called In Cold Blood. It's uh, based off a book by Truman Capote. Same motherfucker that wrote, uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yeah. Very famous author. Very, very fucking flamboyant. Sorry, I'm just getting, uh getting notes up yeah getting my stuff pulled up I, um i was being a piece of shit and didn't however didn't do that uh the book was re- wrote in 1966 i believe yeah 1966 and um it details the 1959 murders of the four members of the herbert clutter family yes uh so if you want are interested, look them, look up the Clutter family murders. Um, it's an interesting story from beginning to end, really. Yeah. But before we actually get into the story, you want to talk about that movie real quick? Uh, not at this moment. I want to talk about a little bit of other stuff. All right. Yeah. That's fine. Because. I run this show, god damn it. 
just kidding. Um, the I think Rowdy just broke his fingers. He's trying to sleuthily escape the office. I was trying to be not loud because the door wasn't shut. Yeah, I, I doubt they can really hear you. Ow. But uh, he was trying to be all sleuthy and pretend he didn't get up. And he fucked it up by, you know, exploding the door somehow. Into my fucking fingers. Smooth. Yeah, that was great. Anyways, uh, that sugar wash that I have going for our moonshine buddy is um, still going. Yeah, this has been brewing for, what, a fucking month? Almost. Almost. Three weeks, right? This at, is third week? At least. Just over thir- three weeks. I don't weeks. even remember anymore because I didn't write it down. I just remembered the gravity. <laughs> just over three weeks. So, yeah. I know that because, yeah. And what's dumb is it's going to be made into moonshine, so I just have to let it run completely dry, so there's no point in even checking where it's at. Because as long as it's still going, it doesn't fucking matter. That is very true. And so, uh, excuse me, I didn't have any beer today, and then I got beer burps. It's fucking Doctor Moonlight burps. We've been in this room long enough to raise the temperature of the fucking brew, though. Yeah, I noticed it's to go off again. God damn it! Kind of speeding up. Normally, this this is the hottest room in the uh, in the house because when the sun hits the front windows, it just cooks. Yeah, it just cooks, and so we normally keep the house fairly cool, so this room gets to optimal temperature, but... It doesn't help that we have quite a few things in here that retain heat. Yeah, um, and so normally on a regular day, it gets pretty pretty warm. I don't want to say it gets hot in here, but it gets warm. And so um, it, it's been cloudy the past two days, so... It hasn't gotten much warmer than the rest of the house in here, so that might have slowed it down a little bit. But Yeah, last night it was barely going. I thought it was done. I thought we were going to be able to transfer carboys and get it gone. Nope. <laughs> Definitely no, not. No, and to top it off, we are switching it to uh, two, one, uh, one, two five-gallon buckets for safety uh, purposes. Because yeah, need... I, I, don't, I don't want... Uh, glass carboy dropped i really don't uh especially by somebody who's not us yeah it'd be completely different if it was one of us that dropped it because yeah. then it's our own damn fault if we yeah. lose a carboy or you know lacerations or hospital bills yeah yes. so i don't want my carboy slicing up somebody else's legs because they dropped it so um and they're they're quite heavy and glass when oh, it's they really are heavy. easily like a hundred dollars or a hundred dollars a hundred fucking pounds hundred pounds yeah uh gla- especially full glass tends to get slippery when it's really heavy i've i've come to notice yes uh, so for safety purposes once it's done we will switch it to five gallon buckets and uh, then it'll be shipped at away. least when we switch it it will be easy because we do not have to worry about uh, skimming lease and all that crap out of it i mean to be nice we could oh no but I'm, we don't have to i'm just honestly i'm just gonna siphon it into the buckets and call it a fucking day yeah um which will probably happen one day when i'm not here hopefully which sucks hopefully you will be here for that <laughs> i don't want to do it by myself 
It's always more fun with a friend. Yeah. That goes I, for everything. I always make messes when I siphon stuff by myself. I Fuck, always, we make messes when we siphon stuff with each other, so. That's for sure. I always end up fucking, the room smells like uh, yeasty brews for like a few days afterwards because I spill it on the carpet. The very first time we moved any alcohol in this room, we spilt it on the carpet, mm-hmm. so. Yep. Yep, that's a constant. Yep. I also have sugar crystals embedded into the carpet because I spilled some sugar when I was making that. And our table bears the evidence of spillage everywhere. Yeah, I also spilled um, acid sanitizer on the table and it's discolored some of our labels. Um, Yeah, on my side, you prick. I didn't, I, I mean, yeah. I didn't intend that, but... What I don't understand is why it it had to have seeped underneath, because the discoloration looks like it's underneath. No, what I think it did is it... I think these were printed on clear labels, so that they could do the iridescence. And so what I think it did is it just stripped some of the color out and made it a little more translucent. What, what I'm saying is, because if you look at this one... Sorry, this was not entertaining for you guys. Is like, the sticker that's... Yeah, underneath it is perfect, and then yeah, it but like, I don't cuts know, off. So. I don't know how it would have got under it. Well, I don't know. It's just weird. Yeah, and there's fucking basically coffee rings. There's rings over half of the. Yeah. I really need to get that clear, uh, clear tablecloth, so that these don't get ruined anymore. Yes. But, for now yeah it it's um it's coming together the table that is uh we still have a lot of labels that when we peel them they don't they don't retain their adhesive that was a nice name for whoever just messaged you uh it was um a group and it's called chicken fuckers i don't know why okay I also haven't opened a notification from that group in probably six months. I should probably just leave the group, <laughs> but I just, I'm too lazy. Anyway, yeah, we have like probably half a dozen stickers that we need yeah. to put on the table. Yeah. Just because the adhesive didn't come off of it, the sticker. Yeah. But we'll the, get it. You a, mean the adhesive did come off the sticker? Come off with oh, the sticker. yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but I got to get some more spray adhesive because um, when I moved, I guess I didn't bring it. Oh, well, we'll I, get some more. I had some of that 3M send shit. Send you an update. That's really expensive. The 3M shit. Yeah. And I left it. <laughs> yeah, so. We'll get I think that's up. all the, like. Big updates. Studio slash office updates. I don't think we have anything else. The bar is almost empty. The bar is almost empty. I almost broke down on how to drink vodka today. Yeah. And then I was like, ah, let's just polish off the moonshine. I think we might still have some flavored moonshine left. We should, in the back. Yeah. I know we didn't polish any of them off, so unless you guys have polished them off, then... Other than that, we have one bottle of our own brewed mead. We have the like vodka and Kahlua left, and that's it. Yeah. And I'm not trying to get a headache today, so I'm not drinking our mead. 
Yeah. Because I will have like three fucking glasses of it. Yeah. And then wake up tomorrow with a fucking hangover. I tell you what. Dr. Pepper and Moonshine. It goes fantastic together because especially if you get a really good moonshine because it can be really high proof and it doesn't have the bite. And it doesn't have like it doesn't add flavor. Yeah, it's just clean. I mean, you get like the ethanol on the nose, but, but in, you don't taste wise, really, you don't really get it that much in the mouth. Uh, so when you, yeah, I with honestly, this you don't have any burn. I can taste that it was made with corn. I can because I know yeah. what corn whiskey tastes like. Yeah. And I can do the same with vodka, even though vodka doesn't have a taste. Big uh, ass air quotes. And you have to buy really high end vodka for it to not have a taste. Yeah. You're but, like, that's potatoes. Uh, <laughs> so, um, with the Dr. Pe- I really, w- one thing I really wish we had for these drinks was, um, a garnish. No, um, carbonation tablets. Oh God. Dude. No, because say like, you, you know, you break it in half, dude, if you dropped that into the cup and just let it carb out. Oh, it'd be so good because yeah, it'd be very effervescent. Be, because effervescent. because because the problem with moonshine is when you mix it with a or soda, liquor. it goes damn. Well, yeah, liquor in general, it goes damn near flat. If you want to pour, you know, a good, a, a stiff drink. Yes, it goes if you, flat. If you want to get punched in the mouth by your drink. Yes. Except this doesn't punch. Yeah. It just kind of it's a, it tickles your chin. And so that that's kind of the bummer with this is that it's it it tastes flat, a little, not not too bad, but Mine's it does not taste too flat. bad. You've also topped yours off. I just now, when I first poured it, it was fine. I just topped it off because I don't want to break into that vodka yet. Yeah, I'm probably gonna top mine off as well. But when we get we're we're about to go to ad break. Yes. When we get back, we will discuss. The movie. In Cold Blood. The movie, and I'll, I'll discuss a little bit about the book. Yeah. And about Truman Capote. Yeah. And then we'll probably take our second ad break and talk about real life. Yep. So. That's exactly sounds how like it's going to go down. Awesome. So we'll catch you in a minute. Yep. Alrighty. We are back. Tucker is being yes, a crybaby bitch. I am, because. Because I made him watch the original movie. Oh my god, that movie was. <sighs> Okay, the original came out in 1966, and that movie by no means was a bad movie, but it wasn't a great movie. No! And it was very, very, very slow. Yes. Very slow. Yes, it was, I admit it, but they stayed true to basically the book, is why I wanted to do the 66 movie. I'm not saying the TV series didn't. And Capote in 2005 is following the same time frame, but... But Sam Neill was in the 96 and two-part Philip Seymour Hoffman was the fucking... It was is Capote in the 2005 film. So, fuck me, right? Yeah. Yeah, fuck you. Okay, well, my fucking bad. Fucking... We'll do those another time. No, fuck that. Just to fucking piss you no, off. No, fuck that. We are not doing this again. Um, <clears throat> clearly, and like that, Rowdy is kicked off of the show. Clearly, this is um, 
this is not something we've done before, and this is probably not something we will do for very quite, often for quite a while. Um, this is not by any means a horror movie. No, 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 no. But definitely not. The murders themselves were a horror in reality. Yes, um, and especially during that time. And yeah, especially during that time. An entire family was... An entire family in a town of about 300 people. Yeah. So, in a town where nobody locked their doors. Yeah. So, um, do you want to talk about the book first? Yeah, we can talk about the book. Let's Um, talk about the book first. So, basically, what happened was two parolees Mm -hmm. from a penitentiary in Lansing, Kansas, were released. While in prison, they heard about the Clutter family. Mm-hmm. Uh, Herb was a very wealth well was a wealthy farmer mm-hmm. in the town of Holcomb, Kansas. Uh, basically, another inmate there had worked with uh, Herb Clutter as like a farmhand. Yeah. That an inmate told one of the two murderers about a safe yeah, he had told that had $10,000 in it. Richard Hickok. Yes, he told Hickok about a safe that the clutters had in their house that had like $10,000 worth. Mm-hmm. Which is based off of the fact that uh, this other inmate was saying... Uh, Herb Clutter's business dealings were like $10,000 a week. Yeah. It, well, it would have been $10,000 to run his business every For the week. week. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So big business, lots of money changing hands. And let's go on a tangent for a second. Let's talk about how much money that really is. In today's, in today's, uh, time that's like ninety thousand dollars a week yeah so between ninety thousand and a hundred thousand dollars is what roughly in in today's money that's that's the gravity of the money that they're talking about is in this same so by no means were they planning to break into this home and for chump change and just steal a couple thousand dollars they're talking about life-changing money Yes. By no means am I justifying this, but no, I'm no, putting no. it in perspective. Yeah, and when we're talking about this, we're not justifying anything that happened. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so they basically, um, well, what's his name? Perry Smith. He, mm-hmm. he actually got released earlier than Hickok did. Yeah. But when Hickok got released, he called him and got him to come back to Kansas City. Yeah, Kansas City, Missouri. Missouri. And then into Kansas, which Perry Smith, as per his parole, was not allowed allowed in Kansas. Yeah, Yeah, his parole basically um, exiled him from the the state of Kansas itself. But anyway, so they make a plan. Basically, fuck off just in the middle of, like, one day, in the middle of the day, and drive almost 400 miles away. Yeah. And then proceed to not really break in. No, because the front door is unlocked. Like, they, I mean, obviously I mean, they broke in. But the, 
um, by walking through the front door, especially in the um, in the fifties and sixties, middle of nowhere, Kansas and Missouri, and you know the Midwest, people that they did just didn't lock their doors because well, for one, there was fourteen acres between you and your closest neighbor. Yes, and uh, so, and I've been by this house, yeah, and we'll talk about that more. But I mean, even today, when I was growing up. We didn't ever really lock our doors. No. Car doors, house doors, it didn't really matter. No, you, you when you ran into the store to go, you know, buy a pack of cigarettes or go, you know, go get your was, drinks yeah, and you stuff, can attest, you'd leave the car running. I was going to say, you can attest to that because yeah. that's when I had you back home. Let's stop at the gas station. And you, like, questioned me because I was getting out of the car and it was still just running and... Yeah. There's like 20 other people there. And you're like, are you, yeah. are you sure about this? Well, yeah. Um, also, that's because, uh, you know, I live in like the fucking meth capital of the world. That is true. Around here, I do uh, not go anywhere with my car running. Yeah, no. Um, we lock every single thing that has a fucking lock on it. And then we put guns behind those locks. Yes. Um, <clears throat> and now, but, granted, when I was growing up, we did the same thing. You'd leave your car running when you went inside, if it, you know, if it was cold, or uh, when you went to bed at night, you didn't bother going to lock the door because who the fuck is gonna come to your house? Right. Um. Anyway, back to the book itself. The book. It's been fucking years since I have even picked it up. Yeah. Um. But basically, Truman Capote caught wind of it because this hit national news. Yeah, th- this yeah, murder yeah, quickly quadruple homicide hit national news very quickly. Well, especially especially after they had um, they had re- received news of evidence of them leaving the state. Yes, and so they're like, uh, everyone needs to know now. Yes, and so Truman Capote actually drove or came down to, uh, like. Garden City, yeah. Holcomb, the area where it happened, Finney County, Kansas. Um, yeah, with one of his the lady who wrote To Kill a Mockingbird. Mm-hmm. Those two came down, and he basically this book it took him from fifty nine to sixty six to write yeah. and release. And so it goes through, and a lot of it is from people that were there and what he had observed, mm-hmm. and first-hand accounts he interviewed the two murderers yeah i was gonna say what what's really nice about this whole story is it's not well i heard this from jack who heard it from dan who heard it from from marcia whose grandpa works at the station um capote actually witnessed most of this firsthand yes he was in the court almost everything that he wrote down either went into his ears or came out his own mouth. Yes. And so it's it's um it's kind of a rarity. Yes, and it was like the first true crime novel. This put yeah, true crime yeah. on the map. That's Yeah. another awesome reason why I wanted to do it like this kind of started the whole true crime for, uh, phase. Yeah. Um but he did take a lot of artistic license which that's what he is. He's a fucking He's artist. Not, yeah. Um I almost said he's an artist. He's an artist. He, well, he was. He was very flamboyant and very homosexual. 
That has nothing to do with being autistic. Oh, autistic. I thought you said odd. No, no, oddest. Like A U D I S T. Oddest. I almost said that instead of artist. I thought you were like oddest. Like, like odd. Autist. Like, yes, he is very <laughs> odd. No. Um, he is a character. My bad. I can't hear. Hold on. I have headphones on. Hold, hold on. Give me a second. Let me reel this back in. <laughs> Let me turn my headphones on so I can actually fucking hear you. That's fucking hilarious. Sorry, I'm a piece <laughs> of shit, apparently. Fuck. I almost said he was an autist. Yeah, he was really gay. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with being gay or anything. That's, that's fucking that's... hilarious, though. And, and just like, wow. That went a That's very a leap. Weird... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so he wrote the book. It came out in 1966. Almost no one... Or the people around that area where it happened yeah. have either read it once or they will not touch the book. Yeah. Understandable. Yeah. And mind you, this isn't like there are still people alive that were alive when that happened. Yeah. Just think of like the beginning portion of the movie Sinister. Like, everyone hated that guy who wrote that the, the, the main character who wrote the true crime novel. Just, um, just that, that's how everyone viewed Capote's novel. Especially around there. In Kansas. Yeah. Not necessarily in Kansas. Well, Just that, yeah. That farming community around there. So like the next hour around Kansas. Well, that, that, and some of them were kind of like, well, what's the point in reading it? I was there. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, and the ones that have, they've been like, that's not exactly what happened it's not a hundred percent accurate they're like oh it's a fine book whatever but that like those parts wrong this isn't how that happened yeah um and then literally the following december after the book was released in 1967 the movie was made yeah good movie long movie black and white movie doesn't give you hardly any uh, context context at the beginning oh my god i know i'm sitting here and because i knew rowdy knows all about this case i'm just like rowdy what is that what is that who is this like like they tell you fucking nothing yeah they tell you fuck all it, which i understand because that when the time the movie came out people well, knew what the fuck yeah was. i was gonna say it it's as if they're just like, ah, well, everyone knows about the, the clutter murders. They're going to know exactly what we're talking about. And then and then for like the five people who don't know, we'll clear it up at the end of the movie. Yeah, and that's exactly <laughs> what happens. It goes through the the movie. Don't really have much more to talk about with the book until yeah, real yeah, life no. shit. So we'll start talking about the movie. The movie goes from uh, thin planning. Mm-hmm. And going down there to them leaving. Yeah. The clutter farm. And they're run away from the law. Yeah. And it goes, like, it bounces back and forth between them running and the investigation. Mm-hmm. And, like, throughout the investigation, like, you can see the tension between the two murderers. Yeah, this, this movie kind of... Um... This movie kind of set up the the groundwork for most like 
cop drama yes style movies is that you know um only, how do you want to say this half of the content is one side the is other one half side, is and the, the other, other half yes. is the other and uh yeah so it goes all the way up until they get caught mm-hmm. and then you finally get a flashback of the night and w- what happened mm-hmm. artistic liberty what and whatnot yeah uh Nonetheless, four people got murdered. Yeah. And kind of how it happened. And then it goes from there to more like confession and stuff to the end of trial. And then it cuts to narrative from like the author. Yeah. Who isn't Capote in this like movie, which I think they should have done. No, and it sounds like the guy from Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs> yes, it does. I was sitting there, and I was like, I know it's not because, you know, that guy's not that old. Well, I mean, for when Unsolved Mysteries was on, he wasn't that old, and there's no way he was working with that voice in 1967 <laughs> so i'm like man that really sounds like the dude from unsolved mysteries but like he'd probably be like 10 <laughs> yes but yeah so the end of it is like talking about how it took like it took the prosecutors like four and a half hours to lay out the case mm-hmm. defense like an hour and a half to lay out their case and then the jury was done in 40 minutes yeah or an hour and 40 minutes or something like that yeah, it was a relatively short uh, trial. Yes. It was and, uh, open and shut, as they like to say. Oh, yeah. One day trial, easily. Yeah. Um, and then goes to them going back up to the pen and mm-hmm. uh, goes until they're executed. Yeah. And uh, you don't see uh, Hickok hang, but you do see Perry. Yes, and that is the end, and the movie ends with heartbeat mm-hmm. slowing and fading to nothing. And then um, title card. Yes. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, we're going to take a short break, and then we will talk about what we thought of the movie, and then we'll talk about the real-life stuff, and then we'll be out of here. Yep. We're back. Yeah. So, the movie. This movie is so slow. I wish the only difference I would have, like, or only thing I would have changed is put that flashback at the beginning. Uh, I, I get why they didn't. So do I because they're they, like, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna show what heavy quotes here, what really happened, and. Right, yeah, because of Perry's confession, but right, and oh my God, they make it a point to kind of make it known, and I I, I like how they did it in that aspect. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, they had nothing. Yeah, they and literally, if the if uh, Richard Hickok and Perry did not get uh, or would have gotten arrested ten minutes earlier, 
Yeah, they would have they would have no gotten evidence. free. Yeah, they would they wouldn't have never been linked to the murder. Yeah, for sure. So I I, I do like the way they played that. I yeah. just wish instead of cutting out the murders completely, they put them in when they happened in the movie. Yeah, or, like, for sure. In the beginning, and then did like a flashback to mm-hmm. it. Yeah, but they didn't. So they yeah. So the themselves. first hour and 30 minutes of the movie it's like it's it's literally a drag it's just you might as well be watching a, a fucking road trip movie because a lot of it a lot of the movie is them standing on the side of the road trying to hitchhike um yes and then hickok denying a ride from some black guys um then finally uh stealing a car yeah, and so like it's it's super 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 slow moving. I don't want to say it's boring because it's not. It's just you you have to like find things to pay attention to. Yes. Because the whole time you're just like get on with it. And the movie never does get on with it. No. It takes forever and i'm trying i'm trying to like envision the movie in like the eyes of some other films from the 1960s oh no and it's they're still slow i was gonna say it's slow but by that point we were starting to get creature films and stuff yeah and oh, you bastard i was using your blanket oh sorry but, um uh, it's yeah. so it's it's, it's very slow, and then it finally ramps up and gets I mean, a lot more interesting. I mean, even, it's still slow at that point. Even though. when they get to execution night, they drug it, it out. It takes like 10 minutes for them to hang. Yes. 10, 15 minutes of them just like talking about what's going to happen before he hangs. Reading him his warrant and yeah, his stuff warrant, like that. Reading him. Uh, Bible verses and yeah. asking him final wishes. I'm just like, okay, let's be honest. I don't give a fuck about any of this. Right. Like. Oh, yeah, I definitely agree. Like, none of this is pertinent to the story. No. And so, I think that's what really was the downfall of this movie. Was the the um how do how do I want to word this the the surplus of knowledge yes there's way too much information in this movie and only about 12% of it is pertinent to the case and well pertinent to to getting the story across yes it's like that guy who tells you a joke but he tells you but, every. But by the end of the joke, it's no you longer don't funny. Even, you don't even understand the punchline. Yes, and it's no longer funny. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, and so you're just like, okay, cool, thanks. Uh, please don't do that again. And so, yes, I definitely agree. I mean, other than that, the acting's pretty good. Like for 1960s, it's decent. There's nothing wrong with the acting. Um, the since this is a true crime movie, um, it stays pretty very ac- accurate to yeah, pretty damn accurate to to reality. 
into the book. Yeah. And which... it, well, it, it's extremely accurate to the source material. We'll yes, say that. That, that's perfect. Uh, but let's hear the final verdict. Rowdy. One out of ten swinging corpses. What do you give it? <laughs> I mean, just because of my connection to like the actual case and everything, I, I, I would give it like a five. Try, try just, to be unbiased. I'm unbiased. I, 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 I will give it a five. Okay. It's not a great movie, but it's not one of the worst movies we've watched. Yeah, I mean, I'm. Yes, it is very fucking long. I by no means. I almost re- had to turn the light back on because I did not want to fall asleep. I I by no means regret watching it, so there's that. Yeah, and if you're a true crime person like I am, like I love learning about yeah, shit that makes people fucking like flip. Uh, it's a good movie. It's mm-hmm. long, kind of hard to follow, especially in the beginning. Yeah, because you have no context unless you know the case. Well, that and like, they're saying people's names. That aren't in the movie at all, but yes. they're not saying names of the characters. Yeah. And so you're like, is he talking about that guy? Who's he talking about? Is he talking about that guy? No, he's not. And so <clears throat> I think they tried to, it, it seems like they were just, they used the book as the script. Yeah, basically. And so they were like, here you go. Memorize your lines. And so the director is just reading the book and going, okay, scene one, this is what needs to happen. And he's just, all right, chapter one. Okay, scene one. And so movies and books cannot be played out the same way. And I think that was the biggest downfall of this movie. Yeah, it was very, it was too much, too much uh, intertwined with the book. Yeah. There wasn't a big enough disconnect. Um, I feel like it wasn't adapted into a movie. It was just made into a movie. Yes. And I think that really, really damaged this film's reputation. Yes, I, I can agree with that. And so, with one out of ten. Um, I'm going to give it like a three and a half to four. That's fair. I'm not going to be totally brutal because it did. It did keep. It kept my attention. Um, granted, every time I paused it, I was baffled at how much time hadn't passed. Yes. And. Um, but it was interesting. The acting wasn't bad. Um, the sound effects were not bad. You know, like. Um, oh, the and, screen and, was terrible. Uh, the, it was so fucking oh, the loud. Scream? Oh my god! Yeah, it was like three times the volume of everything else in the movie. Yeah, but that and if aside, you've seen the movie, you know exactly which scream yeah, we're talking about. It's just one, so it's not terrible. But oh my god, it's ear piercingly loud. Um, <clears throat> but it's not a bad movie, so I'm not going to knock it down any farther. And. Yeah, I think way too much information and too close to the source material are the, this movie's biggest downfall. And I think I'll just leave it at that. That's perfect and fair assessment in my mind. So let's... If you guys have seen it, let us know what you guys thought of it. 
Yeah, for, for sure. sure. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about. For one, let's discuss your your connection to this case, and then, um, and then I guess we'll wrap it up. Alrighty. Oh, and we'll talk about some other real life stuff. Yeah, we'll talk about the case a little bit. Yeah. Um, well, my personal connection to it is uh, my great grandfather was chief of police, mm-hmm. not at the time of this, uh, but he was ch- chief of police, police officer during this time when the murders happened in the ensuing manhunt mm-hmm. in the next county over. Which, at that time, uh, and even now, yeah, it's the uh, Lakin City or Lakin Police. They're the county mm-hmm. sheriff. Yeah. Um. So he was an officer, and he had firsthand, like, he was involved in the manhunt, mm-hmm. all this stuff. Uh, was trying to ca- uh, gather information as much as I could from sources because grandfather passed away what two years ago three mm-hmm. years ago yeah so don't really know um hell my shotgun i pre- probably the shotgun he was carrying around during this time yeah um basically he was out all day every day all night for until they were captured great grandmother home with fucking five kids yeah terrified not knowing if he was coming back so immediate connection this all happened 30 miles not even 30 miles i would say about 18 miles away from where this murder took place um and that's where i grew up in fact before my time they actually used to take the high school kids and like for one of their classes they would take and fucking go through the house yeah like kind of weird but whatever but uh yeah so that's my connection to it like i actually have family involved and uh grew up that area i mean hell there's still farmhouses that house is still standing i've been by it and actually it just went on auction like not too long ago um but other than that just being the true crime person i am i love dealing with it and figuring stuff out and doing research on it but yeah it's just weird tidbit all right so let's discuss the murders themselves and well if you want to pull up your notes yeah so so i'm not the only one talking yeah um so the murders happened november uh i believe november 15th it would have been a saturday night back then Mm. the reason why we know (laughs) that it happened on a saturday night even if you didn't know the exact date was that uh they were found by uh the daughter the daughter's friends yeah who were coming to pick up her for church um so herb clutter 
his wife, uh, Bonnie, and two uh, kids, Nancy and Kenyon. Who were 16 and 15 at the time. Yes. Oh, I'm fucking falling out of my chair. All four were killed. Mm -hmm. Uh, The two men were killed in the basement of the house. Yeah. And uh, Nancy and Bonnie were killed in their beds. Um, there's been a lot of speculation about who exactly pulled the trigger. Yeah. Um, I think Perry Smith ended up taking rap for all of them, even though in interviews he said that he killed the two men and Hickok killed the two women Mm -hmm. and even wrote it down in his confession and then later redacted it because he felt bad for uh, Richard Hickok's mom. Yeah. Um, All of them were shot with a 12 gauge shotgun in the head. Yeah. And uh, Herb himself had his throat slit prior to being prior to being shot. Yes. Yeah. And so ultimately they had found no safe, and they um, they left the scene with a portable radio, a pair of binoculars, and less than $50 in cash. Uh, the book says $43. It's about $40. Yeah. And so... Oh. And... So, yeah, it was definitely not the perfect score. No. And everybody knew, like... The Clutters were a well-known family in the mm-hmm. area. Yeah. Everybody knew them. And anybody who knew them knew that Herb Clutter did not carry cash. Yeah. He would literally write a check for anything basically over a dollar. Yeah. Up to, like, using using a check to pay for a $2 haircut. Mm-hmm. So... He never had any cash on him, and they didn't have a safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Hickok and Smith drove from Fort Scott, Kansas, literally about 400 miles. Yeah. To get a radio, a pair of binoculars, and 40 bucks. Mm-hmm. Along with killing four people. Uh, the Clutters actually have two other daughters. This yeah, is they, something that is never older. discussed. Two, older. One was in college. Mm-hmm. The other one was uh, married and had kids. Or had a kid. Um, and the one that was in college was about to get married. Mm-hmm. And after the funeral, they ended up getting married early because the police recommended she changed her name because at that point they didn't know yeah who did it and why so they're like eh, change your name so they bumped up the wedding while all the family was still in town yeah so that was where i find it weird however interviewing the family people or like when people have interviewed the family about it they look back at on the wedding as being like very important, like, happy time. Yeah, and uh, 
which is really weird. And Rowdy, what was the most coincidental part of this entire murder, my man? Yes, and this one, it, it's barely it's barely mentioned. Actually, there's two very like coincidental things that happen. Well, yeah. Uh, and one of them's not even talked about mm-hmm. in the movie. Um, but one of the big things was Herb actually took out a life insurance policy. Literally the day before, or that the day, the day he got murdered. Yeah, he signed the papers uh, earlier in the day. He had finalized his life insurance for twenty or forty thousand dollars. Forty thousand dollars, which in it had an annulment money, clause to three hundred something thousand yeah, dollars. Had an annulment clause attached to that mm-hmm. that said, in the event of an accidental death, it's a, it basically doubles the payment. Yeah. So eighty thousand dollars, murder falls under that category his two daughters both got forty dollars or forty thousand dollars a piece yeah they got forty bucks no (laughs) Uh, forty thousand dollars a piece so the police thought it was fishy however Mm -hmm. just sheer circumstance like yeah crazy um yeah the other herb really set his uh his daughters up for uh perfect set them up for life They, they were they were set because this is 1960s money. Yes. And so um, $80,000 is about $700,000. Something like that. Nowadays. It's weird. I don't think it's quite that much, but it's a it's lot. It's a lot. Um, then the other thing, it's not talked about in the movie at all. You do see a scene of him coming and going, mm-hmm. but that's it. Was uh, Nancy's uh, boyfriend. Yeah. Was the last one in the house to see him the, see him alive. Mm-hmm. He was like prime suspect. Um, kind of weird because Herb actually didn't want them together. Yeah. Because the boy was a, like a Catholic. They were Methodist and he didn't think there was any point of them. Yeah. But he never, he, like he didn't ban her from seeing him. Just like, um, I don't like that boy. They were actually supposed, Nancy and him were actually supposed to go, I think his name is Bill, uh, were actually supposed to go to like a midnight movie. Yeah. That Saturday. And uh, Herb was like, no, you guys should go on Friday night instead. Mm-hmm. And they did. And she got dead. Um, and the reason they know it, the murders happened after like midnight was because he was over at their house that night watching TV with Nancy mm-hmm. until like 11, 12 o'clock at night. How, why his parents let him out that late? I know, in right? In the 1959? Right. I was sitting there going, damn, boy. Like, even nowadays, streetlights, come on, your ass better be back in yeah, the house. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, he was prime suspect. Um, obviously, wasn't the murderer. Yeah. Uh, there was only two things of evidence that actually linked Hickok and Smith to the murder. Sorry, <laughs> it took me a second. And that were their boots. Yep. They uh, had a sneaking suspicion and wanted to get in, like wanted to bring him in during the manhunt. They didn't say they were wanted for murder. 
they had been passing bad checks and uh, uh, parole violations. Yeah. Well, during their, like, runaway time, yeah. during the manhunt time, they had gone to Mexico, had gone to Florida, through California all the way back to Vegas. Yeah. Um, had stolen a car and got pulled over for the stolen car. Yeah. Right after they left the post office, which was the key thing to keep them in for murder. Yeah, because while they were in Mexico, they had bought all new clothes and they had taken all of their belongings, packed it up and shipped it to Vegas to Vegas so that they didn't have to carry, you know, carry it back because a lot of what they were doing was hitchhiking and walking. And so they packed up all their belongings and shipped it off, including the boots that linked them to the murder. And they got pulled over for the stolen vehicle five to ten minutes after they had picked up the package. Yeah. And so if they had been picked up any earlier, there would have been no evidence linking linking them them to to the the murder. murder. Coincidental. Like, that is insane. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so they basically got drove, like driven back to Kansas to Finney County. Mm-hmm. And that's when Truman Capote comes into play and all that shit. Yeah. Uncle Blood gets wrote. And finally, in 1965, they are sent to the gallows mm-hmm. after years of taking it all the way up to the Supreme Court. Yeah. So. Very interesting case. Very interesting. The, we barely skimmed the surface talking about the real life stuff. Yeah. So if you're interested, look it up. You can find it all on Wikipedia. Yes. Uh, there are very varying accounts whether Hickok was trying to rape uh, Nancy. Yeah. Uh, no violation was found by coroners, but it's kind of said and kind of like shown in the book in the movie that uh perry smith stopped him from doing so Mm -hmm. um the lead investigator kind of fucked up because he was more focused on uh nancy's boyfriend yeah even after he got the tip that it was these two but it doesn't show that in the book or the movie which understandable but yeah just little things like that that are not quite right. But yeah. anyway. So this was uh, quite the different episode from what we normally do. Um, we would definitely like your feedback on what you guys think of it. You can get a hold of us at beers and fears uh, podcast at gmail.com. And um, that's a pretty quick and direct way to get a hold of us. You can also hit us up on all the socials. Yeah. At- uh, beers and fears podcast mm-hmm. so that goes for facebook instagram and twitter and when you hop on facebook you also need to join our beers and fears community group that's where all the fans can get together and enjoy dank memes um, talk questions. about episodes ask questions give critiques all of the above uh, it's a really good place to be uh, if you scroll down a little bit 
and look in the show notes. You have access to listener support. Give us money. Let us get new microphones and headphones because I'm still not trying to get electrocuted. Yeah. Um, and there is also... It's no longer oh. there. Oh. It's never not in the show notes anymore. You can only find it through the app uh, well, or the website. <clears throat> so if you go to Anchor... Uh, anchor.fm or have the anchor app you can send us voice messages and uh, we can add them into our future shows or we can just reply to them directly if you don't want them in future shows yep and um it's a really interesting and fun way to get a hold of us kind of get to hear the voice behind the statements and um it's really Really, I think it's an, an awesome... I think it's fun. I think it's awesome. Um, and last but not least, don't forget our friends over at HorrorMerchStore.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, use our reference code, which is HorrorMerchStore.com, question mark, REF equals 113. Gets us a small little kickback, and you do your horror shopping from t-shirts to mm-hmm. pop figures, posters, you name it. Yeah. And uh, while while you're at the community group, you can go ahead and join our Discord. Um, it's not super active because, you know, there's basically no one in it at the moment. But once we get a bunch of people in it, we can be on it all the time. We can yes. all hang out, chit-chat, do stuff and things, and have fun with that. And uh, But until then, I've been Tucker. I've been Rowdy. And this has been the Beers of Fears podcast. Weird episode, but we'll see you next week.